Welcome to Living Embodied, reclaiming our body as safe, sacred, and sovereign space. This is a podcast where we explore mental health and well-being through nurturing the mind-body connection. My name is Sydney Bell. I'm a social worker and psychotherapist with a passion for working with people healing from body shame and coming into relationships of peace, trust, and respect with their bodies. I invite you to join me in a quest to uncover what it means to live an embodied life. I'm coming to you from my community in Penticton, British Columbia, where I'm privileged to make my home in the Okanagan Valley. It's the traditional and unceded territory of the Okanagan Silix people. I am a white, cisgendered woman in a fat body. I live my life and work with people from a weight-neutral perspective, which, among other things, means this podcast is a diet talk and body-shaming-free zone. For more information about me and my practice, you will find links in the podcast description. This podcast was born from a desire to understand more deeply the role our body plays in our mental, physical, and spiritual well-being. How can we reclaim our body as a wise friend and ally? Through reflections and conversations and opportunities to engage in short embodiment practices, we will explore what it means to feel at home in our body and experience living life from the inside out. Today we are talking with Ali Shuin, a counselor and consultant in Victoria, British Columbia. I've been so glad to get to know Ali over the past year or so. She is a fantastic person who is deeply committed to working with people to heal their relationship with their bodies. She's warm, smart, and an amazing advocate for body justice. In this episode, Ali shares her thoughts on embodiment, and together we dive into the topic of release in healing from body shame. So get yourself settled in and join me in chatting with Ali. Well, hello. Um, here we are, and I'm really delighted uh, to uh, be in conversation uh, with Allie Shuin. And uh, hello, Allie. Welcome. Hi. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm so happy that um, you were able to make some time to come and uh, chat with me um, about you know these topics of. Um, you know, healing our relationship with our body and embodiment. And um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just so glad you're here. And I'm wondering if we could start, Ali, um, by getting to know you a little bit and, and, uh, you know, hearing a bit about you and, and the work that you do. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that introduction. Um, as you said, my name is Allie, full name Alexandra, but I go by both. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a counselor and consultant working out of unceded Lekwungen and Wasanich territories in Victoria, BC. Um, I have an in-person and remote practice here. Um, and yeah, also do consulting work along with seeing clients. Um, I'm really passionate about being a anti-oppressive and fat liberationist and feminist counselor. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. I would say that's like the the foundation of the the way that I do my work. Um, right. And like as a fat person myself, um, just really dedicated and passionate to supporting others in, yeah, finding some healing within themselves, building community and supports, um, and like just trying to survive under these systems. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, I was just so excited. Uh, we've known each other, I think, for just over a year now. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and as I've been hearing about this, this work that you've been doing and the sort of insight and passion that you're bringing to it, I knew very much that I did want to sort of have you on this, this podcast and have some conversation. And, um, you know, and part of that us connecting was, um, the work you're doing and bringing folks together to, um, folks who, uh, work with people who are looking to heal their relationship with their, their body from a, um, from a sort of a fat inclusive or health at every size lens. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, you know, would you be willing to speak to what motivated you to, to bring folks together like that? Absolutely. Um, So I'm still pretty new in my practice. I'm coming Mm -hmm. up on two years post-grad and about a year and a half of having my private practice open. Oh, I guess I should mention that Selkie Counseling um, is the name of my practice. Uh, Selkie, like the the seal merfolk um, in Celtic mythology. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I... I have been passionate about like uh, feminist, intersectionally feminist, and like mm-hmm. so it started as like body positive, and then it morphed into fat positive, and now mm-hmm. I'm kind of at the place of fat liberationist and feeling comfortable mm-hmm. with that language. Mm-hmm. Um, but like for the past decade, and so I came into counseling knowing that I wanted to bring that lens, and then of course going through training and practicum and all these things, and it's not really. Um, a widely adopted perspective in our field just yet, although there are more and more people. Um, But just knowing that um, a lot of the perspectives and like ethics and values that I bring into my work is, I think it's fair to call it countercultural in some ways. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I would say so. Yeah. And I just, I knew that I needed people. I, I know that I, need uh I've really honestly felt very desperate to have like-minded people around Mm -hmm. me who um would support me and who I could support and we could like bolster each other up in doing this work that can feel um shaky at times when we're in other environments that really don't get it or aren't supportive of these ways of working um so I like I was desperate for some community and some people who Mm -hmm. um I knew uh, could support me and who I could support. And so I was, I did like a ton of just cold calling, well, emails, but, but, um, right, right. uh, last year and then, um, met, um, Allie Parker, who of course you will also know, um, mm-hmm. uh, who's a counselor, um, based out of North Vancouver and we connected and, um, we're talking about how, It'd be so great to have like some community groups just for anyone who identifies as fat to come and chat and get support, um, doing Mm -hmm. video calls once a month. And then um, we also started a consultation group for practitioners who are either self-identified fat or plus size or who Mm -hmm. are operating from like a health at every size or... um, anti-oppressive and fat liberationist way of working Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we have just kind of built out from there so um, it's just so awesome yeah Mm -hmm. so of course it's Sydney and I we're in the the consultation group together and I think we're up to about 12 of us now um added a few folks in along the way um yeah it's just, it is, it's so important to have those spaces where we can, when where we can come together and, um, yeah, support each other and encourage each other and, and, um, in, in, in this, in this work that we're doing with folks. So, um, mm-hmm. just really want to acknowledge that and, and give you some props for that, because I think that's, um, that's really great that you've, you know, taken that initiative, um, and I know I'm very grateful to, you know, to have that, that resource as a result. And, and I have to ask Allie, I, I love the name of your practice, Selkie Counseling. Mm. And, and you, you, you did talk a little bit uh, when you were introducing yourself that 
you know, that it's um, uh, based, you know, pulled from Scottish folklore. Is that right? Um, yeah, it's you... more so Celtic. I think it's an Irish folklore right. as well. Gotcha, mm-hmm. gotcha. Um, but could you say a little bit more about what drew you to the, 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 the folklore of the Selkie in terms of representing your work? Yeah. Um, when I'm kind of throwing I... this at you. But... Yeah, no, that's great. I, I mean, I have a little spiel on, on my website, so okay. <laughs> I, uh, right. it's something I talk about. Um, uh, so I moved to Victoria in 2016 and, um, really like around that time, like I just fell in love with seals, um, mm. being able to go mm. to the local peers. And I mean, it's not the case anymore because thankfully more animal protection bylaws have been introduced. Um, right. but right. you used to be able to go to pretty much any pier, um, I would always go to the one in Oak Bay and they even sold frozen herring in the gift shop there at the marina. And um, you could go and like feed the seals and just really? hang out with them. Yeah, oh, it was wow. the best. Um, wow. Of course, you know, you see, <laughs> I hate to say it, but like, you know, tourists who are maybe um, engaging in ways that are not like the safest or right. best for the right. seals, like teasing them or like taunting uh, them. And it's like, yeah, just drop the fish. You just got to throw the fish for them and they'll yes. enjoy it. But yeah. Um, yeah, it was around that time. And I had just moved from Calgary. And I think I I had just learned about like the Baikal seals and, and the Baikal Lake in Russia and found that really fascinating. And then coming to the back home to the coast because I, I grew up in the Fraser Valley in the mainland um, and just really like falling in love with seals is really where it came from mm-hmm. and then learning mm-hmm. about selkies like identifying with my own Scottish ancestry we were mm-hmm. chatting just before this my last name is, is Scottish mm-hmm. um, and yeah it just like I just I, I just really identify with seals like they are round and mm-hmm. they are like agile and ferocious in their own ways but they're also really mm-hmm. playful and mm-hmm. um and I love the I just feel really drawn to the folklore around selkies mm-hmm. that they are shape-shifting and right. um and there's just like a lot of I think power there, but there's also a lot of stories in Selkie mythology about um, uh, being like trapped in their human form. So having yes. their pelts stolen and there's like a mm-hmm. lot of allegory for mm-hmm. um, sexual violence as well in that. Mm-hmm. And I've mm-hmm. spent about six years working in the field of sexual sexualized violence. So also really feeling drawn to that um, right. aspect of silky stories. Right. Um, and also just myself. I love being in water. I've always been a water baby. <laughs> I have a summer mm-hmm. birthday. So mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, it just, it just fit. And then when I was trying to come up for a name for my business, I was like, coming up trying to have these clever and different names and things that were maybe highlighting the um, ethics and values and things. And then I was like, I think it's just Selkie. I think it's that simple. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. it seemed, Mm -hmm. it seemed too easy at the time, but I was like, no, I think Selkie counseling. I think that's it. Well, it sounds like there's a, just a strong resonance there for you. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Big time. Oh, well, thank you for sharing that. I find that very, very interesting and and beautiful. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, from what I recall of my understanding of Selkie legends, and it's not in depth, certainly, but there is that sort of that element of of body and and reclaiming your true self, if I'm remembering correctly as well. So I think that's a beautiful resonance with, with the work that you do. Thank you. Um, yeah. Was there anything more you wanted to say about yourself and, and your work before we move on to talking about embodiment? Mm, I don't think so. I think more stuff will yeah. probably come up, but I think that's the, yeah. you know, Cole's Notes version. Right. 
Great. Well, um, as you know, Allie, this, this podcast does have a focus on the topic of embodiment and, um, you know, I, you know, I've been exploring that with all my guests in terms of what they, you know, what does that mean? What, you know, what, what are we talking about when we talk about, um, this idea of embodiment and, um, so I'm very, you know, curious to hear your uh, understanding or or take of in embodiment and 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 how it perhaps shows up in in the work that you do with people. Hmm. Yeah. Um. I have learned a lot about embodiment from the folks at the Center for Body Trust, which mm-hmm. is an organization out of Portland, Oregon. Um, right. I've done a few trainings with them and um, uh, embodiment is like a core part of the body trust work that they do and that I've been learning from them. And they have this idea um, they talk about in terms of embodiment. It's about doing things for and with your body instead of to and on them. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, trying to, trying to, Um, I think of it as like inhabiting my body more than observing it. Okay. Um, so trying to connect more with my like felt sense, with my intuition, with my, um, like somatically how, uh, thoughts and feelings are showing up physically in my body and Mm -hmm. connecting to that and working with that as opposed to what I kind of see as the counterpoint of embodiment, which is self-objectification. Right. And how um, much like surveillance and policing there is with self-objectification and just that like hypervigilance of, um, you know, always being aware of how you're being perceived. And, and of course, like that still comes up in different contexts um, right. but, but yeah, I, I think of it as, as trying to be in my body more than observing it, like from an Being... outside perspective. Right. Right. Well, thank you. You gave some really great sort of examples of, um, you know, of how you, you know, perceive or experience embodiment. And I'd like to circle back to, what you said around, um, the folks at, uh, body trust, which, um, mm-hmm. which is an organization we're both aware of and, uh, both, I, you know, uh, resonate with and have great respect for, and mm-hmm. we'll put some information in, in the resources, um, for, for folks if they want to, you know, check, check them out. But what you said around f- for and with the body instead of mm-hmm. to and on, that just seems really evocative and it's a huge shift in how we perceive or engage with, with the body for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's like, it's a, it's about reclaiming partnership with instead of perhaps a sense of opposition or being in battle with. Yeah. If that makes, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, um, uh, working with instead of, um, I think of this idea of like contortion often, like Mm. that, um, oppressive systems, you know, body size oppression being one of them really wants us to like really contort, um, ourselves, um, whether it be our physical body or like, um, emotionally and um mentally like making ourselves smaller too and Mm. um I think like a big part of embodiment too is like taking up space Mm -hmm. and getting more comfortable taking up space Mm -hmm. both Mm -hmm. in like the physical sense but also Mm -hmm. um having needs having boundaries Mm -hmm. um I think is really related to embodiment work as well because you know I see it being connected to intuition and like felt sense Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and if we are practicing listening to that more and listening to our body more um 
that often means that other things like outside of us might need to shift. Like we might have needs or boundaries that need to be put in place. Right. Ellie, could you share more what you mean by felt sense? Like I, I have a sense of, of what mm-hmm. that is and an intuition, but um, is it something that can be articulated a, a little bit more with maybe some examples or? Yeah. Um, I think of it um, in terms of, yeah, intuition. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of the the work that I do with clients, I mean, with myself too, of course, like I mm-hmm. include myself in all of these practices. Right. Of, right. um from like the somatic perspective, trying to understand where emotions are showing up in the body. And okay, right. um, yeah, with that somatic perspective too, like thinking about um, what part of our nervous system might be activated, like yeah. um, okay. how we might be perceiving threat, maybe going into hypervigilance or fight or flight in our nervous system. Um, and like connecting with that, that felt sense of like, uh, building the connection to, um, be able to notice and maybe like understand what's going in, going on in our body and being able to meet that and, um, uh, support like our body through that process, as opposed to what I think often happens, which this comes from straight from polyvagal theory with Stephen mm-hmm. Porges and Deb Dana mm-hmm. talking about how the state in our nervous system often creates a story about ourselves and our place in the world. And I think a lot of um, cultural scripts or counseling approaches um, focus on the story instead of the state in the nervous system and in the body. Um And so, yeah, about building that connection to what's going on in our body, um, tuning into more of those senses. Because I think a lot of the time, too, that felt sense can be like when there is something that's not sitting well with us or that's not okay or maybe feels unfair Mm. or unjust. And Mm -hmm. um, it can be really easy to just go to the cognitive place to rationalize it away or stuff it down or make ourselves small in different ways but you know I see embodiment as like connecting to those felt senses throughout the body learning how to sit with them um understand them and how to like relate to our body in the way that it knows how to mm-hmm. if that makes sense <laughs> I know it's a lot of yeah uh, yeah a lot of no, concepts that, I, there I'm I'm with you so um as an example perhaps if my um, heart is, if maybe my heart is racing a, a mm-hmm. little bit, um, uh, it, it's about then being open to actually just sort of sitting with that a little bit and, and maybe not going immediately to fighting and resisting it in, in a mm-hmm. way that could yeah. maybe just exacerbate it in a sense. Right. Um, but to be open to, okay, oh, I'm, I noticing my heart is racing, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, being open to what might that be about? What am I feeling anxious about something in particular or what, what's going on in my environment? Um, is, is, is that's kind of what you're talking about? Like that? Yeah, uh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. And, mm-hmm. um, as well, like the way that it comes into, my work um, Mm -hmm. with clients is really trying Mm -hmm. to as much as possible, stay in my own body when I'm in session with folks. Right. Right. And um, something my, I was fortunate. One of my um, supervisors in my practicum, uh, my counseling program is a somatic therapist. And Mm -hmm. um, I'm so grateful for what Mm -hmm. I learned from her. She would often say, um, uh, stay in your own chair. And I think of that as like embodiment Mm. practices of like staying, trying to stay grounded in Mm -hmm. your own body Mm -hmm. to promote um, feelings of safety within your own body. And then all of that is um, unconsciously communicated to our clients, even through a screen. 
Um, right. There's all these different cues of safety that mm-hmm. um, our nervous system can give to our client's nervous system to promote safety in the mm-hmm. therapeutic relationship as well. Mm-hmm. This whole concept of co-regulation. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you for kind of diving a little deeper into that with me. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing in what you shared about embodiment that um, I, I wouldn't wouldn't mind just you know, sticking with a little bit longer is Mm -hmm. if I heard you correctly, you talked about Mm self-objectification, which, and that's what you said was the counterbalance to, or, you know, to, to embodiment, right? Kind Mm of um, the polarity, the dance between the two. Is that right? They're kind of on a continuum? Um, Or is that how you would conceive of it? I don't, I haven't thought of it in terms of a continuum. I, I do mm-hmm. see it. I, I think the, the visual metaphor that I have for myself is kind of like a seesaw. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, that it can go, it can kind of tip one way or another. Cause I think often with self objectification, we can get really flooded with shame. And mm. I, I don't see that as much of a continuum that can often be like right. just a plummeting, um, right. right. Feeling and experience. Um, yeah, and I actually have a, I do have a tangible example for you to illustrate these things. Um, you know, thinking about embodiment and um, uh, riding a, a bicycle, which is something I love to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, being on a bike and maybe feeling how your body is moving, feeling like the wind, feeling really connected and in your body. And... You know, maybe what happens if um, you're in like a, a city area and there's a shop window and you see a reflection mm-hmm. and seeing your reflection and how you look on the bicycle can often, you know, might have that experience of tipping into the self-objectification, right? right? And then right. thinking about how you are being perceived as opposed to right. how it feels to be doing that activity right. and how it feels in your body. Mm-hmm. Two very, can be very different um, experiences for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I was right with you as you were describing, you know, being on the bike with the wind in the hair, mm-hmm. right? And just the aliveness that that felt in me, yeah. right? And I could feel kind of a shift in, um, I don't know, my shoulders dropped a little bit and, you know, my heart felt lighter. And um, then we talked about the window, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, that habit or that, that trap we can fall into of that, yeah, focusing on the, the picture outward. Yeah, exactly. And, which uh, is the tension that can bring. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And which mm-hmm. often goes more to the cognitive place of like story, like what are the right. social scripts right. that are coming up when we, right. um, are feeling like activated in mm-hmm. a shame response and mm-hmm. um and you know again as the counterpoint to come back to embodiment how to like notice and pay attention to what's going on in the body how that shame is showing up in the body mm-hmm. and how to tend to that and to get mm-hmm. back into the body when it's feeling safe enough to do so right right mm-hmm. well um, yeah, that, uh, that, that makes a, a lot of sense. I really appreciate, um, I really appreciate your thoughts in embodiment in, in general. You've given, given, uh, me and anybody who's listening a, a lot to, to think about for sure. Um, is there anything else you wanted to say about embodiment before we kind of move on in our conversation? Mm, just to highlight that kind of last thing I said around safe enough um Mm, okay just to I want to acknowledge the fact that like it for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons might not feel or tangibly be safe to connect more to what's going on in the body you know whether it be a history of violence and trauma or um, chronic illness or disability, you know, there's lots of reasons that the body can feel unsafe to inhabit. Um, and so just really wanting to 
kind of discourage the all or nothing thinking that can be so common in our world. Right. Um, right. And that it's okay to find, I'm a, I'm a big supporter of the, the smallest step possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you think you found it, cut in half again <laughs> and try that first. Um, and yeah, that it, um, I don't think it's about like finding this, um, like always being in a state of embodiment. I don't mm-hmm. want to kind of give a false um, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. view that I am always mm-hmm. embodied. That's mm-hmm. absolutely not the case. <laughs> mm-hmm. It fluctuates all the time, depending on, mm-hmm. you know, the environment that I'm in, the things that I'm navigating, mm-hmm. but um, mm-hmm. to build up the places where it feels safe enough to connect to yourself, maybe connect to the body and to, to build um the places where there is that that safety to potentially come back to. That is such an uh, important and helpful reminder. Um, it makes me think of, I don't know, like w- when we're sort of pursuing maybe well-being or uh, contentedness or happiness in, in our life, we might fall into the trap of feeling like if we're not in a constant state of, you know, bliss or, you know, that uh, that we aren't doing things correctly, but mm-hmm. it's um, you know it's not. A, oh, I'm just massacring what you beautifully already illustrated. So um, yeah, I think that's uh, really really helpful, right? Because as you say, we also have this tendency to fall into you know that black and white or all or nothing thinking, mm-hmm. right? So if I'm sort of pursuing healing my relationship with my body, I need to remember that it's still, you know, we're going to go through cycles and ups, ups and downs. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, know, absolutely. Sort of, yeah. Yeah. And of course, you know, gender is a big part of that too. And like, right. how safe does it feel to right. be in your body like as it is now. Um, mm-hmm. And I, yeah, gender, um, gender diversity, um, body size and, and fatness, like the, mm-hmm. the scripts that we are, um, you know, brainwashed with by our oppressive mm-hmm. systems can, can be mm-hmm. really significant barriers. So yeah, it's about finding the places where it feels safe enough and, and starting there, not about, yeah, some perpetual um, state of bliss. I like how you said that. <laughs> well, um, so then, you know, Ali, we talked about this, you know, the, the topic that I've been, you know, uh, reflecting on this month, which is um, broadly this idea of release. Mm-hmm. And so I'm interested ex- in exploring, um, you know, in our path to reclaim a peaceful relationship or a, um, as you say, safe enough relationship with our body. Um, you know, we, we often must be willing to maybe do some inner exploration or to let go or release of maybe what no longer serves us. And this Mm -hmm. could be maybe patterns of behavior or, maybe even exploring our beliefs and values or ways of thinking, which you've already really touched on quite a bit. Uh, So I'm curious what this idea of release means for you within the context of like the work that you do with people to, uh, to heal their relationship with their, with their body. So I, Mm -hmm. I know that you had sort of a lot going on when we had our chat a couple of weeks ago in terms of, you know, thinking about this. Mm-hmm. Um, so interested in your thoughts. Yeah. Um, of all the, the topics, uh, topics, words that you kind of sent me as options, this is definitely mm-hmm. the one I was drawn to. Um, mm-hmm. cause I'm a, I'm a big believer that, um, people aren't broken, um, mm-hmm. that they're, isn't like anything objectively wrong with us, with humans. Um, and that we are like highly resourceful and adapted to survive. And when we are 
forced to navigate oppressive systems that disconnect us from our bodies, that tell us we are not worthy of dignity or even humanity. Um, All of those things get in the way. And I think it's often like a releasing and a divestment where it is safe enough to do so that can help us come back into that embodied felt sense. And it makes me think of um, what a lot of folks in the world of intuitive eating talk about. Um, I I think it was Christy Harrison who I um, heard this from first, where she Mm -hmm. often says that, you know, babies are born knowing to cry when they're hungry, cry Mm -hmm. when they need to be changed, cry Mm -hmm. when they need to be held. They have that connection to that embodied felt sense and Mm -hmm. often know how to communicate that. Um, Not always, but, but often. And it's, there's a lot of other stuff, a lot of other shit, pardon my language, but I swear a lot. (laughs) It's part of my (laughs) approach to this work too. Um, That it gets in the way, like all of this stuff gets in the way. And so what can we release ourselves from? What is safe enough to let go of? And how can we build supports and community around us? You know, and a counseling relationship can be part of that support too, to mm-hmm. let go a little bit. And, you know, I talk mm-hmm. about white knuckling a lot. <laughs> I use that as a metaphor mm-hmm. often in session of like, you know, the grip is so tight on some of these things that mm-hmm. like our knuckles are white. And, mm-hmm. um, how can we begin to ease that to let go of the things that aren't helping us anymore that maybe did help us in a certain context in a certain time of our life, but things are different now. And can there be more safety to allow for that releasing? So it is part of the work then looking to develop an awareness to where you might be white knuckling you know what is it that you're holding on to oh absolutely yeah like Mm -hmm. what are those um narratives that we have about ourselves our place in the Mm -hmm. world um Mm -hmm. the things that are possible for us Mm -hmm. and you know the the tricky thing having an anti-oppressive approach to this work too is finding out the places where we do need to just stay safe and survive where it's not safe enough for us to um, maybe be fully embodied or fully Mm -hmm. um, like acting on that felt sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Cause it's, it's not going to be safe enough. Um, Mm -hmm. There are places in my life where it's still not safe enough for me to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But like, where are the places where there is possibility where there is like, this is again, center for body trust. They talk about the edges of our comfort zone. So it's not about jumping all the way out of the comfort zone, but being able to find the edge of it. And at the edge of that, is there some possibility for shifting? As you were talking, Allie, what came to mind is often, you know, especially as the summer, you know, comes, we, uh, in the, what might be broadly called the body positive community, which, you mm-hmm. know, uh, uh, you, you know, you see the memes and the messages of every body is a bikini body. Mm-hmm. Right. And you can sort of, you know, uh, I mean, I get what might be considered positive in that, but mm-hmm. the shadow of that might be that there's this expectation that if you are doing work on reclaiming and, connecting and feeling safe enough with your body that you should be able to put on a bikini. I don't know if that makes sense. Oh, it totally makes sense. Yep. Okay. And there's many reasons why somebody might not want to put on a bikini, which are obviously very valid for them. Yeah. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And it feels like that might be an example of kind of what you're talking about. Um, Mm -hmm. And for some people, yes, it's an amazing, beautiful, empowering thing to do right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that then we make this blanket assumption that that's the, then the, the sort of the bar, the standard for everybody who's looking to heal their relationship with their body. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, this is 
this is a, a very deep well. I have so much to say. Okay, where do I start? <laughs> um, yeah, I think this really perfectly illustrates something I talk about with my clients often is, mm-hmm. which might sound like a little, I don't know. Um, I don't know how it's going to sound, but I actually am not really that invested in people loving themselves. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that that's a really mm-hmm. helpful concept all of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, the that whole means, love your love your body messaging. Yeah, yeah, that, and that like yeah. self love is the the ultimate goal again with that right. idea that it's this perpetual state of bliss. Right, right, and yes. all of this is also with the caveat that so much of the the thought development around concepts of self-love comes from the womanist movement and um, black women womanists and the queer community. And that um, I want to like hold that very gently and with a lot of respect that that's where Mm -hmm. those ideas come from. And what I'm talking Mm -hmm. about is the way that those ideas have been kind of mass marketed and contorted and diffused in all these different ways in what we see Mm -hmm. in like the mainstream really superficial ideas around self-love that's what I'm Mm -hmm. talking about Mm -hmm. um gotcha and um that's yeah they're and with the bikini example it's like okay, is is the bikini being held up as the standard or the like pinnacle of healing? Is that just more self-objectification? Like what I care more about is like, well, where are you wearing that bikini? You're probably going to water. Like, are you in the water? How do you feel when you're in the water? How does your body feel? Like, especially mm. for people with larger bodies and fat people. Um, I love being in the water. I love how I can just float. I love to feel the temperature and the sensation. And I'm usually with people who I love when I'm in water and Mm -hmm. um, I'm usually in nature as well. Um, Mm -hmm. So like, how can, how can those things be held up as the, um, as the goal, as opposed to this, I think often unattainable idea of feeling totally confident and empowered and Mm. in the in the bikini you know um Mm. uh, I love how you're bringing you're bringing the felt sense into it is what yeah 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 Mm -hmm. yeah that that is it sounds like you're encouraging a shift to that being our central point or um focus area perhaps yeah um yeah Yeah. And like, does the bikini or the concept of like unwavering self-love then become a barrier to actually doing the things that allow you to connect more with your body? Right. Right. Like, so what if it's a bikini? Like if you want to get in the water in like a t-shirt and shorts, like then get in the water in a t-shirt and shorts, if that's what's going to make you feel the most comfortable and give you an opportunity to connect to your body in a different way. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your words are escaping me for the moment. But again, I just feel like you're encouraging this whole really shift in perspective in terms of what is driving us in our engagement with the world. And again, you're going, you're encouraging us away from the self-objectification into that more embodied experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Feels like, yeah. Yeah. My, yeah. my hope at least. And, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe the bikini is a part of it and maybe it isn't, but, um, uh, yeah, I think it's important to be like mindful of, of, yeah, the edges of the comfort zone and the what's going to, mm-hmm. um, yeah, make living our life like more accessible, you know, mm-hmm. it, um, and then finding, yeah, still finding those places where it is safe enough to maybe challenge some of that discomfort and sit through it. Mm-hmm. And, and um, yeah, learn how to, I don't know, a- address it or mm-hmm. um, divest from it to, to mm-hmm. release some of that discomfort. But that it does take time and it's not all or nothing and it's okay to 
move in small steps. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's again, so many wells that we could jump into together here. Um, I am sort of conscious of the time a little bit, Mm -hmm. but I want to check in with you around, was there anything else around this topic of, of release that, that, uh, you haven't had a chance to touch on yet that you wanted to? Hmm. Um. I mean, there's always there's always more to say, but I, yeah. I feel like we've hit a good. Um, yeah. Um. Yeah. Like I don't know thesis a good of spot. it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think um, you've certainly given me so much to to consider and to both in my brain, but also in in my body. And, um, I want to thank you for, um, for these wonderful reflections. I know I'm going to be, um, I'm excited to sort of listen to, you know, our conversation again and to, um, to think and experience further. Um, so, uh, you mentioned a couple of, of, um, resources, Mm -hmm. uh, you talked about the folks at, at, body trust and and happy to share information for folks listening on how to reach them and you mentioned christy harrison who's Mm -hmm. quite well known in the um you know body liberation and intuitive eating world and she's got you know a couple books out and a great website Mm -hmm. and a podcast Uh, i'll be happy to share that information as well do you have any other resources that that you are recommending at this time yeah um i'll also share that the the folks at center for body trust um Mm -hmm. wrote a book as well they released it last august yeah august of 2022 and it's called reclaiming body trust um Mm -hmm. it's an excellent read um there's like guest spots with um um sections like written by trans folks and um Mm -hmm you know, they bring a lot of intersections into their work around body trust. Um, so that book is, is really wonderful. I recommend it to clients all the time. Um, and another one I've really loved recently. Oh, I have two. Um, one is Decolonizing Wellness by Dahlia Kinsey. Right. Absolutely beautiful read. Um, uh, and like a great starting point too for a lot of these concepts um Mm -hmm. and then i'm i'm also uh well listening to because audiobooks have been very necessary for me lately with capacity and things um rest is resistance by trisha hersey Mm. is also informing a lot of my thoughts these days and um i think that's like very connected to embodiment as well and the idea of slowing down and small steps and releasing and divesting from hustle culture yeah and how that weaves its way into diet culture um so yeah those those are kind of uh those are the big ones informing me and like exciting me these days well thank you i've uh, had some awareness of decolonizing wellness and the reclaiming body trust book but um the rest in rest is resistance is is new to me so i'm excited Mm -hmm. to learn more about that yeah Um, uh her instagram is also phenomenal um it's uh the nap ministry oh i love that (laughs) yeah it's so good it's so necessary Wow. Okay. So thank you, um, Ali. We'll, like I say, we'll list these resources in the episode description for folks. And um, uh, yeah. So how can people find you, Ali? Yeah, I, I am on, I would say Instagram is the best way to find me if if folks Mm -hmm. are on there. Um, Mm -hmm. It's at Selkie Counseling. But I also have my website, selkiecounseling.ca. Um, and I'm happy if folks want to, you know, send me an email and connect. Um, I do have a bit of space for new clients still. Um, Mm -hmm. but I'm probably close to starting a wait list soon, I would say. Um, but I'm going to have some like groups and things available through the fall and, um, a few like more practitioner oriented workshops and things available. So I'm excited to, 
oh, um, wow. slowly build towards that in the fall. I want to take summer for a lot of rest, but a little bit of planning mm-hmm. too. Oh, that all sounds very exciting. And I, I know I'm looking forward to learning about and uh, about, you know, your your offerings as they, they come available. And um, I want to, again, just really extend my gratitude to you for your for your time. I know your schedule is, um, you know, uh, f- fairly busy. And so um, just really value that you've taken time to, to come and chat uh, with me and to share of your, um, you know, your wisdom and, and uh, your passion uh, for the subjects, very evident. And um, yeah, just thanking you for your work in general in the world. And um, I hope we can have more conversations uh, as we go. I hope so too. And thank you so much for having me. And I'm so grateful that we are building community together too. Absolutely. On Mm -hmm. on we go, right? On Mm -hmm. we march. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Ellie. Have a a great rest of the day. Thanks, Sydney. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello again. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Allie. I know I did. And I hope right now, in this moment, you will offer yourself and your body a moment of peace and grace. I invite you to take a moment to pause and settle into yourself and simply be. Find that place of gratitude inside you and allow yourself to dream, to envision what your life could be like if you were to release yourself from the grips of diet culture and the pain of body shame. And that brings our time together to an end. Thank you for joining me and Allie today. Feel free to reach out to me via my website, GaiaTherapy.net. Sign up for my newsletter. Links to both are in the episode description. May you experience your body as safe, sacred, and sovereign space.